Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Televi, and joining me to take your questions this evening are Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investments and David Shapiro from Sassman Securities. If you'd like to send us questions, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. David, Wayne, good evening to you both. Um, David, uh, Forget about your dismay about South African tourism potentially uh, sponsoring um, Tottenham Hotspurs. I mean, if, if it were Arsenal, would you feel okay about this? Uh, no, they're already sending people to Rwanda. So, you know, Arsenal, have, uh, you know, on the side of their shirt, you'll see visit Rwanda. Now, I'm not quite sure what it's done for tourism in Rwanda, but it would be a lovely case study. Um, I'm not sure that everybody who, you know, if you're an Arsenal supporter, you go for it. But uh, I'm not sure if you're a non-Arsenal supporter whether it's going to make any impact on you at all. Yes. Well, leaving anyway. aside the the sheer utter folly of the mm. South African government <laughs> um, under Lindy Westasulu, um, the market had a sort of a kind mm. of a muted day, but there was some good news. Um, you had Eurozone inflation uh, dropping mm. down to 8.5%, which is the lowest reading since May last year. I don't know if that had any real impact on the market. And you had some very good trading updates and shares like Bidcorp having an absolute stonking day. Yeah, I, I think it's such a good indicator because it's an international company that really uh, distributes to the hospitality sector in Asia, Europe, Australasia, South Africa, and so on. And uh, if it's an indication of demand, I think it's a very good sign that things are holding up and that people are spending. So, and from the company itself, it's a, in a really good number because I think this is a record number for them. Um, it's surpassed some of their pre-COVID or uh, levels as well. So um, we, we haven't seen the results, so we don't know the makeup. We only got one number and you know very glowing report, but I would take it as a very you know as a, as a positive signal not only for the company but for what is happening in those uh, economies. Wayne, I mean the the but corp shares didn't close on their highs today. They came off a bit. I think they were up, what six percent. They were up almost ten percent at one point. But uh, would that be a, a warranted rally in the share price? And does it incline you to buy them actually? This is a very good company. I mean, it's been around as long as what Shapiro has been around. <laughs> and it has, I don't recall a disappointment. Obviously, COVID affected them negatively. But what I found unusual about this is for all those reasons I've just given, it's well covered, it's well researched. It's unusual to get a company of this stature and, and this nature to actually surprise so heavily on the upside. Mm. It's actually quite unusual. And it's, and it's good news, obviously. And this is probably already a core in many, many portfolios, probably top 10 holdings in the overwhelming majority of institutional portfolios. That's yep. good news, yes. It hasn't always done well for them. In fact, uh, it's the performance of the, since it split and since the bidvest unbundling, in fact, was a bit more muted than you might imagine notwithstanding the quality of the company. Um, but just on the point about um, global economies, and then I'll, I, I'll get all, uh, to, to the individual shares. You've had all this um, fear-mongering about recession is imminent and central banks are going to tip the world into a recession. And then you had the IMF, I think it was yesterday, saying, really, mm. it's only going to be the UK that is the, the developed uh, country in the world that is most likely to enter recession this year, or the economy might contract slightly. So 
it, it seems totally at odds with the fear that was that rippled through the markets a couple of months ago. David, do you think that was all overblown? And actually, the rally that you've seen I, in the market in the last couple of months is testament to really what's happening on the ground, that that these interest rate increases are not going to put economies into risk. Well, that, that, that's the point I made, you know, that uh, it's a very good sign of cons consumer spending. And in fact, the IMF uh, economist said that it was China. That's why they upgraded. Listen, they upgraded. There's still downside risk and there's still worries. But um, one of the points was resilience of the consumer. Now, the consumer could be in far better shape than we imagine. Um, and, and, you know, that is holding up economies. Um, we're starting to see softening now in the United States. And that's why it's going to be very interesting to hear what Powell says, because on all fronts, things are starting to slow down there. But, you know, he's a bit of a grumpy man and uh, he doesn't like it when markets go against the way he thinks they should go. So expect some tough talk later. But I, there are good signs, Julieta. Yeah. You know, there are some, when I say good signs, some supportive signs um, in the global economy at the moment. Mm. Okay, well, let me get on to questions because there's loads of them this evening. And one speaks to the global economy to some extent. Um, and it's a question on, um, well, it, it wants the panel's opinion on the Signia Fang Plus ETF, which includes Chinese tech stocks, um, versus a vanilla NASDAQ play. When, if you had to choose, what <laughs> would you go for? I'd take the vanilla NASDAQ play. Mm. China has been wonderful and the shares have gone crazy and gone up like mad. But there's risks there. For the very reason why they went up is they fell so much. Mm. So I, I, I would choose that every time. David, do you concur? I agree. I absolutely agree. I think you want to play China, play it. Uh, don't play it through the tech sector. Just play it on the consumption side. Uh, where they're going to spend money. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I still don't, still feel uncomfortable about, you know, where China will be and when Xi will uh, reinforce his, uh, you know, strategies again or his, his will on the nation. Mm. So you never know what's coming next. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then sort of linked to this, there's a question on um, uh, Apple. Um, kind of ask Wayne, what's the difference between buying Apple shares them, uh, itself versus the FNB Apple ETN, which is an exchange traded note, um, and also is Apple a buy? Wayne? Look, I think Apple is a buy, so I've got, I've got no problems with that. I suppose if you buy Apple directly, you've got to have a foreign account, you've got to have a stockbroking account, you've got to have money overseas, whereas you buy the other one, you just pay 14 rands. You get the same return. Mm. Yeah. It just tracks it, uh, Julieta. Okay. It's it, with a little bit of cost involved, but but hardly uh, significant. So there should be a very very close correlation between uh, the ETN and the Apple price. Obviously, with the currency movements in between, you know, I mean, converting the currency, yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. All right. Moving back to the local market because there are loads of questions. Um, a viewer has sent. He's taking um, liberties and has sent through three questions this evening, but they're all quite interesting, so I shall uh, go through them all. The first one is NAMPAC, and he says, this is still a reasonable business. However, their debt is killing them, and the proposed rights issue of not more than $1.5 billion will seriously dilute the company's shares. Is this not the time for an acquisition? Uh, I suppose someone else to buy them for a major player in the market, but who would be able to write the check? I don't, well, NAMPAC was the major player in the market. And who, do you think that might be a possibility that they could be bought out? Uh, I mean, they trade below a, a billion rand market cap. 
Wayne? 600, I think like about 600 million. And they want a one and a half billion rights issue. That's, that's uh, two for one. I mean, that's an enormous rights issue. So massive, massive dilution. Wayne yeah, knows about them. I mean, 600 million is nothing. They've got to they've got to offer it a huge discount to force you to take it up. So it's even worse dilution. It's not a you know it's yeah. not a, it's not a two for one. It's going to be substantially worse than that. Mm. Look, I mean, David will remember quite clearly in the nineties. This was a blue chip. Yeah. It was a fantastic company. It, it truly was. But uh, yeah, for many reasons, and to be honest, I can't quite fathom what has gone wrong over twenty years. But it's gone seriously wrong. Maybe someone else can buy it. Maybe it's importing stuff's cheaper. Uh, I mean, who would? <laughs> I who think would the be the the out I, wouldn't, I wouldn't buy the shares. <laughs> hey, yeah, I agree with Wade. I, you know, he, he brings up a good point because um, they had quality assets. They they had quality businesses. Whether management just went, of course, going into Angola and going into Nigeria and expanding in areas and expanding in areas even locally uh, that just brought them down. But, I mean, they were, they were in line with consumerism and in line with the, with the uh, industrial sector, a, a really, really good business. So, yeah. as, not- as I say, the later, you know, he's lucky he got out. I mean, Eskimo is a blessing compared to this one. <laughs> I think that might be stretching a little bit. But um, do you see any players in the South African market buying them? And the only the only companies I could think of maybe would be Im- Impact, but it's not quite. I don't. You know, I mean, there's Transpaco, which is pretty small. Um, no, I see Transpaco was up like, I don't know, 10, 12, 15% today. They came out with very encouraging results. And I think they might just be buying some of the operations yeah. of NAMPAC. But I mean, there was an enormous difference between Transpaco, which also listed, I think, in the late 80s, you know, <laughs> and NAMPAC. And that gap has shrunk. You know, Transpaco just been going on every year, producing very steady results. Tiny company, but just a good, almost like a family business. And suddenly they're they're almost within reach of uh, NAMPAC. But I don't. I think knowing the management of Transpeca, they're going to say no. You know, we'll take that plant, or we'll take this little bit, but we're not going to take NAMPAC with all its issues yeah. in in foreign currents and foreign countries and so on. I suppose that's the issue that you would rather mm. strip the company for the assets that are decent, mm. but you don't want mm. the debt because that's what you would be assuming mm. if you had to buy the company. Okay, then moving on to EOH, um, since the announcement of the rights offer details, the share is spiraling downwards. Seems like the business is being turned around. However, cash is needed to continue. The rights issue shares, so EOH uh, N, are trading at around 25 cents and listed at 70 cents. So does one buy no. the rights offer shares and you settle the take up price and put it in the bottom drawer? Or is there no investment case for this one on a five years plus basis? Wayne, what do you think? Look, obviously the business was a total mess when, when Stephen took over there. And, you know, congratulations for him for turning it around. But it does need cash to actually grow going forward. It's actually a difficult question. I don't think it's a bad investment case now at the current share price. I, I mean, David must give his opinion, but I don't think it's bad at the share price. I think you're taking an option. This, your downside is so limited. And if they are able to use the cash, you know, there could be upside. 
uh, once again, it's a 227 for what for 100 yeah. rights issue, which is, a, you know, it's another massive dilution. And it just exposes how badly they've been caught and how difficult it has been to turn around. But, you know, the same thing with NAMPAC at these levels, the same, same thing. You know, if you've got that kind of uh, risk mentality and you think, okay, if I take a couple of businesses in, in distress, one of them's going to fly or something's going to come right. But the, again, it was another good business. They bought some EOH. I'm talking about. Yeah. They bought some really good operations, and it was just they were attracted to join EOH. I think there was a lot of buzz around it, and uh, these poor people. I mean, they were all well skilled um, IT people. Yeah, and, and I mm. still think maybe the product they produce is reasonable, but hell. Hmm. So yeah, there might be a chance. Poor old Stephen. I mean, we've got we, we're getting a handful of managers like this. It must just be you know, just. Handful, I don't know what they do. I think at is the term you're looking know, for. I don't know what happens at night when they come home. But anyway, uh, growth points. Given the recent results of Capco hmm. and other South African property uh, companies, is the selling perhaps overdone and a recovery on the way? The scary number on all local results remains the impact of load shedding. However, could it surprise to the upside of the next 12 to 18 months? Look, earnings will not surprise. I mean, the earnings growth is going to be probably only slightly positive over the time period, but the shares still show good value. I think you're getting a very good opening yield, getting a very good starting yield. So you yield your your percentage return shouldn't come under under threat. Properties have underperformed um, in this last big rally that we've seen, but certainly post-COVID, the performance hasn't been bad. So I still think, you know, for more conservative people, people who want to yield, the property is not bad. You can't really equate, you know, the overseas companies to local property companies. Yeah. <clears throat> and and yeah, it's not a, it's not a true comparison. Yeah. Okay. Um, David, shall I move on, or do you have a burning thing to say about yeah, growth? I points? chose it for one of my five stocks of the year, hoping that there was going to be a turnaround. But I think I didn't foresee the load shedding, and I didn't foresee the issues that we have. And I think it's just going to take a bit of time for it. It's it's going nowhere. It's not a bad sign. It's just bumbling along sideways, giving a reasonable yield. Yeah. But I can't see any major turnaround. I think it's uh, you know the retail the retail side's okay. Wayne knows a lot more about property than he's cared to admit. You know, I think the retail side is a bit is are, are picking up, but I think the office side is still under a huge amount of pressure. Yeah, and a lot of costs now. Well, a lot of expenses mm, are mm. now being added onto the business given the yeah. extent of the load shedding. And you, I mean, that is just really going to eat away. I imagine shareholder returns and anything related to retail. You saw that in Shoprite. They, you know, they told you what they're spending on diesel. I mean, it's just staggering. staggering. Yeah. Uh, we could use that fund, you know, that we're going to uh, to buy Tottenham Hotspur maybe for every single business in the tourism sector, maybe to get themselves a generator. Um, talking about shares that have been bumbling around uh, along, not doing anything. Cap International, and the question is, I bought Cap at four and eighty. It's been trading more recently in the range of four and to four and twenty. Do we still see value in Cap? Should I hold on based on the long term outlook? And what can we expect to see in the interims in February? Any thoughts on this one, Wayne? Look, I mean, CAP, as, as we all know, is a very diversified, essentially South African-based company involved in everything from producing wood and many, many other other uh, wood wooden boards and many other things. 
I don't think it's a terribly exciting company. I I know the share doesn't look all that badly priced, but I wouldn't get too excited about Cop. I mean, one of the value fund managers I spoke to at the start of the year suggested that if you were looking for a stock in the transport and logistics sector, you could do you could do potentially well with Cap. He, his feeling was that it had been ignored for a very long time and might surprise this year. David, do you hold out any yeah, that's, hope? That's for Unitrans side. You know, Unitrans, it's a very specialized logistic company. The irony about Unitrans is it used to be actually, actually be owned by Marion Roberts. But um, it came out of Murray and Roberts. But it, it, as Wayne says, it's you know everything bundled into this was the junk pile when Steinoff was formed. You know, old, old Marcus used to say, "Okay, everything we don't want, we're going to just uh, just dump into uh, cap." You know, so it's got goma goma and all the other things. But when you look at it, it's we talk about it a lot and goes nowhere. You know, it just mm. snakes along sideways. So also waiting for big things to come. Mm. You know? I, I doubt I'd be very pleased um, the management to be described as being the junk discards from the Steinhoff group. <laughs> well, they, you know, when he was forming Steinhoff and going through various machinations, etc., you know, everything that he didn't want in Steinhoff, I think, ended up there. Mm. So uh, I'm going back a few years. They, they were decent business. Look, Billiton did the same with South 32, you know, so. And look how well South, South 32 is not a bad company. Year. Yeah, exactly. Good thing you picked so that too for your So they were bad challenge. assets. Mm. But I don't think there was a, a necessarily a connection between them. That's more or less what I'm trying to say. Okay. Well, um, this no. conversation leads no. on to other questions that have come on in both Marion Roberts and also Steinhoff. And the question on Steinhoff is, what is happening there? Um, Wayne... <laughs> Not very much, really, um, a, a shareholder yeah. vote. In fact, I think the circular comes out tomorrow on whether or not um, you accept that you will only end up with 20% of the company or uh, nothing. Yeah, well, look, um, I will be honest. After what's happened at Steinhoff, I don't really follow Steinhoff. We don't own any. You know, once bitten, twice shy. Mm. Mm. Yeah. David? Same thing. I just, from, from December the 17th, I just said, get out. I was never in, to be honest, but I, for, for whatever, don't, don't, don't bank on a turnaround. It's yeah. just a lot, of, a lot of time has been spent trying to save this. And at the end, I think, um, I don't know what's going to become of it. You know, the Pepco business is not a bad business, but they keep selling off chunks of it in order just to survive. Mm. Anyway, I, I, I also have got... Limited interest. In fact, not limited, no interest. In <laughs> yes, okay. Well, I did speak to Louis Dupree, the CEO, and he said the debt has always been there. He said the debt was there in 2017, and the calamity of 2017 and all the disclosures and the accounting irregularities mm. meant that all that debt became due. And that has continued to be the case because I asked him, mm. you know, shareholders seem to be completely gobsmacked by what they announced in December that basically you had to vote on whether or not you accept 20%. Um, which is why you see the share price decline, um, or the creditors take everything. And he said, well, the debt's been there, and there's, they just been, mm. haven't been able mm. to whittle it down, so it shouldn't have come yeah. as a surprise to anyone. Look, so, there, there, there's, there's two factors there. If you've got debt of 100 and assets of 200, it's fine. But when you've got debt of 100 and assets of null, it's, it's not <laughs> exactly. so fine. And secondly, exactly. if you've got assets of 200 and debt of 100, when that debt becomes, becomes due, people roll it. You can take out new debt. You can get new financing. When the other thing happens, you don't. It doesn't roll. You can't get new financing.
All right, speaking of stocks in ICU, um, the question is, is there still hope for Marion Roberts and Calgro? But Mar I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know where Murray's is. You know, every day there's something new. I mean, they'd be desperately trying to transform themselves into a engineering business or mining business away from construction. But uh, there's still been issues there that have kept them down. And, uh, you know, again, it's another company that I, I, I have a peripheral interest or a superficial interest. You know, I look at the headlines when they come down come out, but I never really, there's been nothing to drag me in or say to, you know, say to me, listen, let's have a look at it and buy it. So I just kind of read it almost like, um, you know, headlines in the newspaper. Mm. When but uh, on there again, the once a mighty business, that's just bad. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, can you remember Doorbell, Marion mm. Roberts, mm. Baller World, Visa. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, um, there's going to be a lot of money being spent in power generation by the private sector and, and other players over the next two to three to four to five years. I mean, the amount of money is going to be staggeringly large. Whether Murray's or any, any of the construction companies or engineering companies will benefit directly, a lot's going to be imported. No, I, I, I wouldn't go for either, actually. Okay. Yeah. And, and your thoughts on Calgro, and also a viewer has asked us thoughts on Baldwin, so maybe we could discuss those two together. Um, and, and his, actually, his question on Baldwin was, should I sell, buy more, or just hold? So he um, obviously got Baldwin properties in his portfolio. Baldwin and Calgros, not similar, but uh, but not the same. Baldwin develops mainly, you know, you know resident, well, residential mm. complexes. Mm. It's kind of the summer con of the, of the 2020s, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Describe it that way. Yeah, I don't think I, I, I think Baldwin's okay. I mean, uh, mm. it's quite small, but I think it's you know I think it's a reasonable company. Probably hold. Mm. David. Yeah, they buy. I mean, credit to them. They come out with these huge estates that they buy. You know, which is I, I don't want to call it. It's uh, it's not low cost housing by any means. It's it's really middle class living. So they and and they they maintain them well. Or certainly from the outside, but uh, it's a, it's a very reasonable uh, operation, and and I think if they can plug into those areas and give affordable housing, they, they they're okay. You know, I've once more, it's not something that's always attracted me. I never understand Kelgro. I I don't know the last I know they were selling funeral plots, and uh, you know that's that's the only thing that stuck in my mind. You know, and uh, but I've got no strong feelings about any of them. Do you have any no. strong feelings about PPC or Kuro? So the same viewer as current, well, he said, I'm holding all three at a loss, actually. So um, Wayne, PPC and Kuro, do you see any prospects um, of? Kuro, I still like the idea. And remember in, in, the, in the heady days of Kuro, and there was another listed one as well that also listed um, a little bit after Kuro. Stadia. No, Stadia was, 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 the, was, the, was the, the, the spin off. There was another one, I'll get its name now. Um, and they've disappointed, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't buy Kuro too. No, no. I mean, actually, Kuro was the hot stock. You know, it had the PSG the hot, gloss. Yeah. It had the gloss from the the Mouton yes. stable, um, and traded at massive, massive price to earnings ratios in the beginning. And then they had to raise, mm. and they were clever enough to raise capital when the stock was expensive. 
Um, and is, is this maybe just the digestion period, which could be quite a long time, as a result of all the capital raisings they did, I don't know, five to ten years ago? Um, the results haven't been bad, you know, from that. I mean, they started to generate cash and they've got some very decent schools going on. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty reasonable. I think they've started to turn around and, and look better than they have when I say when they have because every time they had a school, they had to have a rights issue and raise cash and that. But it now seems to be kind of uh, moving on um, financed by its own resources. They don't have to go to market anymore. But I again, it it's, hasn't been at the forefront of, of, of where I've been looking at the moment. Yeah. PPC, just you mentioned PPC. I mean, it's another company until you get spending here on infrastructure. Uh, it's it's going to be a long, long battle. Yeah. I think there was a period a couple of weeks ago where they had some very good runs, but they're coming off such a low base. And if you looked at a chart, it's just such a sad, sad um, issue, you know, yeah. from when whence it's come, like Murray's and so on. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, I'm afraid I haven't been able to get to a couple of other questions that viewers send, so Zanati can do those tomorrow night. And, and you have to fire away with your stock picks in the next 45 seconds. Wayne, what would you be buying at the moment? I'm going for Advanced Micro Devices AMD. Yeah. They had a spectacular result out today. Share up strongly, very similar to NVIDIA. They're more concentrated. They're not as big a player. Obviously, they're a relatively small player, but they've got a bit of a niche market. Uh, I actually like it very much. So NASDAQ listing. Okay. David, how about you? Good one. I'm, I'm going for, um, for Wayne's workshop. You know, everything that he has got in his workshop is made by Hudeka. And uh, <laughs> I think you know, from belts to fasteners to power tools to diesel engines and that, I thought, I thought the trading update was encouraging and uh, nice to see. And I'm hoping that there's more you know, from that to where it comes. Um, so, yeah, Hudeka looks pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm preferring it to Invicta at the moment, yeah. Okay, and at least you can talk to Wayne and when the share price is flagging, get him to do it, but yeah. buy up a few He's more of those tools. I, I, I actually divisions. bought from BMG today. Yeah, wow. Well. There we go. <laughs> so we keep it all in a loop here. Um, <laughs> David, Wayne, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, Wayne McCurry is from F&B Wealth and Investments. David Shapiro is from Sassman Securities. And Zanati's back with Stockwatch tomorrow night. Have a good evening.